You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. What you think about today is love makes the invisible God visible. Love. Now, let me, let me cut to the chase, then I'll come back and we'll go up the hill together. <clears throat> the first part is, when Jesus comes to this planet, he says, everything I do is because God's doing it. When he heals on the Sabbath, they ask him, well, why would you ever heal on the Sabbath? And he says, that's exactly what God was doing. God was healing on the Sabbath, so I was healing on the Sabbath. He said, whatever God says, that's what I say. Whatever I see God do, that's what I do. So Jesus made the invisible God visible. And then he tells us, when we love each other, first us and then the world around us, that somehow that love allows God to be visible among people that are watching us love each other. So this week when we're out in the street, this week when you're out on your street, this week when you're at work, this week when you're at school, this week when when you're encountering people and you're loving them with God's love in you, they will somehow see God and it will change their life. Rick Warren tells us that we were all placed on this planet for a special assignment. Now, <clears throat> he gets credit for the statement, but I think it goes back to Jesus. Jesus said, I've, I've redeemed you so you could be a redeemer. I, I've saved you so you could save people. I've given you comfort so you could be a comforter. Ephesians 2.10 says, God has created us for a life of good deeds, which he's already prepared for us to do. And whenever we walk into corridors of love and we encounter people because we love them, then we begin to actually walk into the work that God's prepared for us to do. When you reach out across a, an aisle, so to speak, or when you encounter someone who's different than you by, by age or by culture or by ethnicity or by style or approach to life, or maybe they like country music and you don't like country music, come on. We, we begin to walk into what God has already prepared for us to do. Uh, in your notes, if you'd write this down, a saved and transformed heart is one that wants to serve and make a difference. It is our, if you would, our, our impetus. It's our driving force behind why we want to make a difference in people around us. It's not just because uh, we, we want people to recognize us or, in our case, to, to, to populate our church and make it grow larger. But it's really because it's an eternal assignment for all of us to love God, to love people, to serve God, to serve people. And when Jesus was asked to summarize the law, he said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. This verse, Acts 20, 24, has been our driving verse for this series, and I'd like you to read it together with your best 1127, I hope he gets us out by 12 o'clock noon voice. Okay, here we go. But my life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about God's wonderful kindness and love. That is our job. That is our assignment. If you want your life to, to be worth more, then you have to make sure that part of your assignment is to use it for telling people about the work of the gospel. 
how God so loved this world. That story should never get old or tiring to you at all. That God would love us enough to give us his son Jesus. So maybe you've heard the name Juan Carlos Ortiz. But if you haven't, let me just tell you, he was pastoring in Buenos Aires, Argentina. He writes this book called Disciple. And in this book, he tells the story about a church that was growing and thriving, standing room only. He gets up to preach uh, three or four times a week. People come and take copious notes. Uh, they go to Bible studies. They have small groups. Uh, the women meet together. The men meet together. I mean, just, they got Bible coming out their ears. And one Sunday, he stands up there and he, he, he reads the words of Jesus, love one another. And he stops and he sits down in the front row. And people are like, oh, what happened? Is he going to preach or not? And so a few minutes later, he stands up and he says, uh, the sermon for today is called Love One Another. And there's one point, love one another. And he sits down. And a few minutes later, he comes back up and he says it again, love one another. And he sits down. You see, in his mind, he was pastoring a church that had heard sermon after sermon after sermon They'd been to Bible study after Bible study. They'd been in small group after small group. But somehow, they weren't actually unpacking or processing through their lives what they had been taught. So, he said it again. Love one another. And he sits down. And a gentleman, seated in like the third row in the front, leans to the guy next to him and says, um, <laughs> what can I do for you? What can I do? do for you? And he said, well, to, 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 to be honest, I'm a little short on my finances. To which the gentleman opens up his wallet and gives some money, which the person behind saw that and also gave some money. And somebody from over here came and gave some money. And the guy with the money now goes down the end of his aisle and asks this question, what can I do for you? And the person on the end of the aisle said, well, I need someone to pray for me today. I'm facing some challenges in my life. I need God to intervene. So he prayed for that person. And those two people then prayed for someone else. And pretty soon the whole auditorium were people talking and laughing and praying and crying and giving and sharing. They were living out the sermon, love one another. So I'd like to practice a statement with you. Actually, it's a question. And it goes like this. Is there anything I could do for you? So, here we go. Is there I could do for you? Let's say it. Is there anything? Ah, doesn't that sound good? Because oftentimes, we're wondering if there's something that someone could do for us. But, but, but to stop and say, married couples, <laughs> to your spouse, is there anything I could do for you? Parents to your kids, kids to your parents, brothers to your sisters, brothers to brothers, come on. Other than get out of my room, is there anything I, I can do for you? For six months, Juan Carlos Ortiz got up and told his church, love one another, and sat down for six months. I wonder if we should start doing that here. Huh. Well, we probably won't. But for eight weeks, we've been talking about making a difference. 
And somehow we would be able to ask this question, is there anything that I, I, I can do for you? In John 13, there's verse 34 and 35. John 13, 34 and 35. John, there you go. Let's read it together. Ready, go. A new command I give you, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my, if you love one another. By the way you carry your Bible, everyone will know you're my disciples. Carry it like this. That's the way to carry it. Official. <laughs> Get a nice little vinyl on the back of your window. I'm a Christian. I'm a disciple. A little cross. Picture mom, dad, three kids and a dog kneeling by the cross. Come on. No, Jesus said, build, build big buildings with crosses on them and everyone will know. No, no, no. By the way that you love each other, everyone will know that you are my disciples. It's our brand. It's our marketing. It's our, our, our tool of how people will know that Jesus Christ came to this earth is how we love each other. It's not about selfishness. It's not about me getting what I want. It's, it's not about me taking from other people. That, that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, by how you love each other, we will know that you are my, my, my disciples or followers. So let's kind of unpack that for a moment. Verse, uh, the, the first point is, love one another as I have loved you. Now, I want to confess to you, I don't like, like Jesus' statement in verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you should love one another. Think about this. Love one another as I have loved you. What did he do? He, he died on a cross. What did he do? He, le he left heaven to come to earth. What, what did he do? He was selfless in all his ways. What, what, what did he do? He was mocked, ridiculed, spit upon. What, what, what did he do? He, he crossed the lines where a man would engage with a woman and talk to her. It was forbidden. He talked to a Samaritan woman. He, he wasn't supposed to. He was a Jew. He healed people that many were called the outcast. He, he, he responded to lepers. I mean, just think of all the things Jesus did. He broke the status quo. He breaks the mold. And he says, I am going to love people with the Father's love, period. And that's what he did. And now he says, would you love people like that? Would you love people different than you? Would you love people with a different political stance than you? Would you love people who have a different sexual view in life or maybe a sexual orientation? Would you love people with different colored skin? Would you love a different generation than your own? And in John 13, we back up. It says it was Passover, and, and you know what he did. He, he, he loved them. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end or to the fullest. He loved them to the extent, the fullest extent of the definition of the word love. So if you spent uh, the next five, six days nonstop handwriting out the definition of love, looking at all the, the, the Greek and the Hebrew words and the English languages and the dictionaries and every place you could find a definition of love, by the time you got to the end where your hand was about to fall off, you would be the writer of something that we, we, we could call the full extent of love. And, and here's what, what, what Jesus is saying, that 
I love them. John is writing, I, this Jesus loved people to the extent of all of the definitions of love that are proper and true and right. He loved to the uttermost. And he said in verse 13 and verse 15 of John 13, you, you call me teacher, I'm going to show you how I'm going to love you to the uttermost. I'm going to wash your feet. Now many of you know this story. I'm not going to take time to unpack it for you, but this is, is Jesus coming into a room where a servant is missing because anytime you had people come to your home, you had somebody wash their feet. The servant's out of place and Jesus becomes that servant. And anytime that, that people would walk in your home, you'd have somebody wash their feet and Jesus humbles himself to wash the feet of the disciples. Now we all know if you've been around the church, it's the picture of Christ leaving his throne in heaven, coming to earth, stooping down, washing not just our feet, but washing our souls, cleansing us from all unrighteousness through the power of the cross. I mean, it's just beautiful language of what, what Jesus does for us. And I love Peter, because Peter's just, he's so like, like me. <laughs> he says to the Lord, well, Lord, Lord, uh, you can't wash me. And, and Jesus says, Peter, unless I wash all of you, you will not be cleansed. And so I see Peter like, like a second grade boy. I'm sorry, but that's how I see him. And he's got his you know, little robe on and, and he's got his hands down. And all of a sudden Jesus says, Peter, I'm washing you. It's like when you, you bribed a kid to take a bath. Come on, who doesn't want to take a bath? And, and I see Peter with his arms up. Woo, okay, Lord, good. And he takes off his outer garment. He takes off his, his undershirt, his under armor shirt, and it's off now. And he's... You know, he's got his bare chest out. There's Peter. Like, okay, go ahead, Lord. And he's squinting because he's afraid Jesus has a washcloth. And come on, I, maybe you've never given a kid a bath. But anyway, and, 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 and he sees this in front of him. And the Lord's reminding us that the world, the world around us needs to be cleansed. And the only way it gets washed is through a heart of servanthood, and through a heart of humility, and through a heart of love. The world will not be impacted and cleansed if we give them our advice or we give them our opinions. By the way, do you, do you know you could have an opinion and still be wrong? <laughs> and you could actually propagate your opinion on social media and still be wrong. You could put up signs and say, this is the truth, and you could still be wrong. But when you love people with the love of Christ, energized by the love of Christ, you're always right. And it's that kind of love that cleanses people. It's that, that kind of love, and, and, and please forgive me again for bringing this up, but, but this week, that's the love that we want shared with our community. We don't want them to think how great we are as a church or how big and bad we are, how wonderful we are. We just want them somehow to encounter the love of God. And I still think that love and humility and service are three things that open people's hearts to being cleansed, to being changed by God. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. In other words, our service is compelled by the love of Christ and his willingness to give his life for us. This should like radically change us. Uh, the word compelled... Is, is the word pressure. And I want you to think about it this way. You, you, you've got a sandwich that's being made. You've got one piece of bread on one side, one piece of bread on the other, and something in between, if you're lucky, right? Or blessed. On one side, you have the love of God 
trying to press into humanity. And on the other side, you have the human need. And right in the middle, you have you. Right in the middle, you have the body of Christ. Right in the middle, you have, you have, you have the church. You have, you have us. And on one side, God is pressing us to open our eyes to the need around us. And on the other side is the need of humanity. And we are compelled. The word again is pressure. We are, we're being pressed. It's almost like, okay, their feet are dirty. Who will wash their feet? And if you ever read that story in its entirety, you will recognize that not one of the disciples said, don't worry, Jesus, I got it. Not one. They're all sitting there expecting, while they're twiddling their thumbs, and while they're sitting down to a meal, they're all expecting to be served. And Jesus takes off his outer garment and puts a towel around his waist and gets down and starts washing the disciples' feet. I mean, when you're the most powerful person in the room and you lower yourself to the most humble place, when you're the most intelligent person in the room and you humble yourself to the place of the servant, that's powerful. And Jesus will compel us by the Spirit to take the heart of God and the need of humanity and press us and if we will say, Lord, I, I'm, I'm willing to go out of my comfort zone. I'm, I'm willing to do what I've not done before. I'm willing to talk to my schoolmate. I think the guy's a little bit of a knucklehead. I think that girl's a little promiscuous. She's a little squirrely. I think uh, every time they walk by, I smell a little something that I shouldn't be smelling. But I'm willing to go out of my comfort zone and ask them, is there anything that I could do for you? Is there anything I can do for you? If you have kids that are in school, to ask the teacher, is there anything that I can do for you? To go and thank your children's teacher, because after all, they have your kids. Oh, I know your kids. They're all angels. They never do anything wrong. I got it. I got it. I got it. But oh God, may you bless today the teachers that had me. If they're still alive, some of them are now gone. Some of them I actually took years off their lives. See, my command is this, John 15, 12 to 13, love each other as I have loved you. See, love is doing what is best for another no matter what it costs. Love is doing what is best for another no matter what it costs. And folks, I'm not preaching this at you. I'm learning this too. There's a lot to learn here. There's a lot to be stretched here. There's a lot for us to, 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 to catch here. So imagine it this way. You, you've been given $1,000. That's your bank account of love. And you can go and you can love two people, 500 here, 500 there, and you can go, done. Or you can find one person and go, here, man, here's $1,000 of love. Or you can go to the bank and do what God would want you to do. You could turn that thousand dollars into dimes. That's a lot of dimes. And just keep loving people just a dime at a time. Or how about this? Let's get radical. A penny at a time. That's a lot of pennies. Don't, don't see love as this huge thing that you're going to do for somebody at Easter or Christmas or birthdays or harvest party. Post-game party. Think, think, think about it throughout the day, throughout your life, through, throughout your time to say, Lord, how can I make a difference? Think about it as listening to somebody rather than 
talking over them. Think about it when you're doing the dishes rather than watching the game. Come on, ladies, I'm trying to help you here. <laughs> no doubt uh, you remember Coach Wooden. John Wooden was an amazing basketball coach, and you can read about him, study him. He has uh, what's called the seven guiding principles for life. And one of them is make each day a masterpiece. Find somebody that you can add value to each day. And he actually told his basketball players, ask this question, is there anything I could do for you? Now, some of you know the name Bob Goff. We've talked about him before. I've shown some video clips in the past. A few years ago, he wrote this book called Love Does. Because love just not love is, it's, it's love does. And, and Bob is the founder of Restore International, nonprofit fighting injustices committed against children in Uganda and India. Bob shares leadership in the Washington law firm Goff and DeWalt. Yes, he's an attorney, but that's okay. He serves as honorary consulate for the Republic of Uganda to the United States. Notice, he serves as consulate from Uganda to the U.S. He lives in San Diego and has an American flag and a Ugandan flag in front of his house, and he calls out Ugandan consulate, and he told us at a conference I went to where he spoke, if you're ever in trouble with the law, come to my house. It's a consulate of Uganda, and you're safe there. So anyway, uh, he's, <laughs> he's an adjunct professor at Pepperdine Law School and Point Loma Nazarene University, and when he spoke at Catalyst uh, some time ago, I heard him, and I found this clip. I just want you to hear a little bit from Bob Goff, who talks about living on the edge of yikes. Okay, take a listen to this. Bob, live right on the edge. 
guys that guys and gals that aren't comfortable, they actually need the Holy Spirit. Right? The comforter. And that's so over my pay grade. But, but our job, get out on the edge of the ice. And you know what? If we're not on the edge of the ice, find someone who is. And get out on the ledge with them. We're like double the ice. <laughs> like, what do you do? I don't know. Smallest piece on the chessboard, one step closer to You like that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bob went on to say that the church is really good at pushing people off the roof rather than opening up the roof and lowering people down to Jesus. That's what we need to do. So here's a question for you, a little challenge. Someone says, Pastor, give us a challenge once in a while, will you? Here's a challenge. What will you do this week that will require the Holy Spirit to help you? What will you do this week that is going to be a yikes, where you're you're going to be on the edge, right? And I love that line. If you can't find a yikes moment, find somebody else who's living in yikes and go be with them. Go do it with them. Find somebody who's making a difference. Find, Find a need this week, just like Jesus did, that no one else is meeting, and you just go and fill it. You don't need to get your name in the paper. You don't need to get the tax write-off. Just go do it. Number two, love one another so everyone will know that you are my disciples. Boy, have we heard this in the church? You know, if you love people, people will know that God's in you and, and everything else. Well, a new command, verse 34 and 35, I give you, John 13, love one another as I have loved you so everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. People will be saying there's something different about you. If you love your spouse in front of other people, people will say there's something different about you. If you love your kids, if you celebrate your kids' successes in front of other people, don't be afraid of that. Um, In our first service, we had uh, a couple of people here. We had one young guy, Gregory uh, Wuchchik. I love saying his name. Uh, junior at Cabrillo, and, and he went to CIF, and he's a runner, and we got some water polo guys here. And Hey, we should brag about our student athletes. Read our LFC. If you're into Twitter, go to uh, LFC4, number four square. Look us up. I mean, we, we put stuff on there when we find out about it. So if your kids have done something phenomenal, would you let us know? Email the office or, or uh, drop something by, because we want to celebrate kids. We want to celebrate students that are doing something that, well, you just like the athletes. No, if your kids got, you know, a 4.0 and, 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 and they're never sick, they're never absent from school, perfect attendance, we'll make a deal about it. We'll put a thing up on the screen. Come on now. Somebody said, well, you put up a thing about the you know, screen. I, I, I just you know, graduated from college. Sure. We should celebrate each other. We should honor each other. We should write really nice notes to each other. Do people still write notes? I do. We should write notes to each other. See, we must love one another. It's an absolute command and a necessity. And then he'll say things uh, later on, if we had time, we'd unpack this, that we are to love enemies and love everyone always. Aren't you glad Jesus said, love your enemies? Really? Now, don't raise your hand. Does anybody in here have an enemy? Yeah, anybody have somebody that you know just is out to get you? And Jesus says, here's your word of advice, wash their feet. Love them. 
Love them. In John 17, verse 20 to 23, Jesus prays a prayer that we really should call the Lord's Prayer. Now, I know the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, that really is the prayer he taught the disciples to pray. But notice this one says, my, my, you see it? My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be, maybe one. Can I, can I tell you what some people think about the church? Not this, the church at large today is that we can't get along. That we're all about division and divisiveness and we can't agree on the color of the carpet and we fight over things that don't matter that have no eternal significance. I had a pastor friend years ago in a Southern Baptist church, and I'm not speaking against Southern Baptists, but he, but he said, I am so tired of committee meetings because committees are groups of people where no one gets along and we get nothing done. That's what he said. And then we think about, uh, actually, today, uh, yesterday, is the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, where Martin Luther came and took 99 statements and nailed them to a door in Wittenberg, Germany. And he begged for the church to understand that it's not the priesthood of the priest, but the priesthood of the believer, that all of us have an assignment of ministry and, and care. What he was saying was, all of us need to love the world around us like Jesus did. And the beauty of this prayer is, he says, may, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I, I just stop for that. Because it says the world will know that Jesus came based on how we love each other. Isn't that pretty bizarre? Not, not, not by, by churches on every street corner. Not by preaching with a megaphone. But somehow the world will know that I came to this earth by how you love each other. I and them and you and me, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved me even as I uh, as you have loved me. The world will know that Jesus came by the way we love each other. So here's a question. You could ask anybody around you. What is it that I can do for you? What do you need for me to do for you? The last thing as we wrap this up is love one another so others can see God. Love makes the invisible God visible. 1 John 4, 7-12, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love and who is mean and cantankerous and divisive and gossipy and a slanderer, I'm just adding all those words, does not know God. Because God is love. So when we love God and, and he loves us and he flows through us, we're going to be people that love others. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Everybody knows this. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Anybody glad? Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete or visible inside of us. So when we love, we're taking the invisible God and making him visible. 
In 1 John 4, 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And backing up to John 1, 18, a younger version of old John, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God is the closest relationship with the father has made him known. Jesus says, when I was on this planet, I made the invisible God visible. And now you are on the planet. You, you and you and you and you and you and, and, and me and those watching online. We, we are the representatives of God. And if we know Christ as Savior, then guess what? We make the invisible God visible if just as Christ was here. We are called the, the, the what of Christ? The body of Christ. And, and, and there's a significance on why he says that. Because I am leaving... He was the body of Christ. He was Christ in bodily form. He was God in flesh. I'm leaving, but I'm giving you the Holy Spirit, so the things that I did, you'll now be able to do. And he says something really bizarre. He says, even things greater than what I did, you'll be able to do. Greater than Jesus? Wow. There's more of you. Greater. But not only in, in quantity, in quality, there's more of you. There, there, there's more of you infiltrating places where, where not all of us can go. You're going to go places this week I can't go. I'm going to encounter people this week that you don't even know. There are going to be people this week that we've never met before that are going to be here on Tuesday and on, on Friday. We're going to encounter them. And our heart is to somehow make this invisible God visible by how we love each other. The incarnation of Jesus made the invisible God visible. Now we are the body of Christ on earth, and when we love each other, we carry on the work of the incarnation and make the invisible God visible to people around us. Our world is desperate to be cleansed by the love of Christ. Our world is desperate to encounter God in front of them. And you might say, but I, I don't know how to do that. Let me give you one word. It's called love. As you love people, with the love of Christ, you will find that God is made visible in front of them. He will impact them through you. So, let's go out this week and do something <laughs> on the edge of yikes to get, to get, to get past our, our comfort zone and be a little courageous, to find somebody who desperately needs to know the love of Christ, to ask this, this, this question, what, what can I do for you? Is there anything I can do for you? How can I serve you? How can I pray for you? How can I make a difference? Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.